Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. If you want to learn how to get booked and paid to speak, you are going to love today's conversation with the one and only Grant Baldwin. Grant is the founder of the Speaker Lab and the Speaker Lab Podcast. Now, despite starting his speaking career back in 2008, during the financial crisis, Grant went on to earn over $2 million from over 500 paid speaking engagements all over the world. He has done everything from closed-door workshops to keynotes in front of 13,000 people, and he now coaches people on how to do the exact same. Today's conversation, Grant gives you key insights and practical advice to help you take the next step in your speaker journey. So whether you're just starting out or you want to get paid as a speaker, or maybe you're a veteran speaker looking to build and grow your business, you are going to love today's conversation. Now in the show notes, you can click to learn more about the Speaker Lab, learn more about Grant. And then I also included a free speaking tip sheet in there for you. If you want to download this tip sheet, it is going to give you some of my biggest speaking takeaways that I have learned through my own journey as well that really complement a lot of what Grant and I talk about today. So you can just grab that freebie in the show notes. And with that, Let's get started. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. Hey, Grant, it's good to see you. Julie, let's get into this. We got a lot to cover today. We do. It's good to hear you too. I should say that because some people may not see you, some may. Um, I'm so excited to dive in and we have gotten the, or at least for me, it's been a privilege to get to know you over this last year. Um, I uh, was able to come on your podcast, which is an incredible podcast, which we're going to be talking about today to share a little bit about my journey. And I'm so excited to have you here to share about yours. And so speaking. Let's dive in. Um, who is it for and why does it matter? Yeah, so speaking is one of these uh, mysterious black boxes for a lot of people. A lot of people who are, are watching or listening, maybe you've done some speaking before, maybe you, you've enjoyed it. You're like, that was really fun. I would love to do more of that. I could see how it can move the needle in my business. I just don't know how do you find in, and book gigs and how much do you charge and what do you speak about and how does this mysterious world work? And so that's kind of how I got into speaking. So if we go way back in time, I was uh, um, uh, in high school, I was really involved in my local church. My youth pastor had a big impact in my life. And uh, I was like, I want to do that. Like, that seems like a cool gig. And he was a phenomenal speaker. And so I actually went to Bible college and then was a, a youth pastor myself for a little while. And, uh, and, and as a youth pastor, I had a lot of opportunities to speak. Speaking is one of those things that I felt like I was decent at, but, uh, I, afterwards I was like, okay, I really want to do more speaking, but again, I, I just don't know, like how, how does this work? And I'd had some stuff that had fallen in my lap or some word of mouth or referral or that sort of thing. But it's like that you, you can't build a business that way. And so I figured a couple of things out and, and started booking some gigs and got to a point where a few years into it, I was doing about 60 or 70 paid speaking gigs all over primarily the US and absolutely loved it. And then had a lot of people who were asking me, like, I want to be a speaker. How do I go about doing that? And so a lot of people that were in kind of the same spot that I had been in. And I, I realized like there, there wasn't a lot of people that were teaching or talking about again the business of speaking. How do you actually find and book gigs? And so so, yeah, about uh, six, seven years ago is when we started the Speaker Lab, uh, which is a, a coaching and training company for speakers and those interested in understanding the business of speaking. So whether you want to speak full time or you want to do it on the side, um, that's uh, that's what we help people do. Amazing. So 
I want to dive into what that is. So whether it's full-time or speaking on the side, there's going to need to be some foundational elements to how someone shows up and approaches speaking. So I would love to kind of break it down and walk through it because as we know, there's so many different types of ways that you can speak. Yep. Um, and I would love to kind of hear, maybe if you want to kind of give us an overview of, you know, what are some of the most, I don't know if it's popular or, or the ones that people tend to do the most and what are some of the elements, the foundation elements that they need to be making sure that they have carved out and nailed down so they can really show up and be a confident and relatable and hopefully converting speaker yeah. on stage. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe what would help to do is, so what we do inside our programs, inside of our, our training is, is we teach what we call the speaker success roadmap. It's a five-step process that makes the acronym speak S P E A K. And so let's just kind of go through that at a high level and then we can jump in wherever you want. So uh, the S stands for select a problem to solve, select a problem to solve. And so this comes down to two key questions that you got to answer is one is who do you speak to? And number two, what problem do you solve for that audience? And this isn't exclusive to just speakers. This is true with anything. And the mistake and danger that a lot of speakers and entrepreneurs at large make is we, we feel like we need to spread the net as far and wide as possible. So sometimes we'll ask, you know, like, who do you speak to? Who's your audience? And like, I, I don't know, people, humans, everybody, I, I got to talk to all of them. It's like, yeah, that didn't work. And same thing is true whenever it comes to, well, what do you speak about? Sometimes speakers will say, well, I don't know. What do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. We talk about marketing or podcasting or sales or leadership or culture or customer service and like on and on and on the list goes. And like that just doesn't work. And so what we always like to tell speakers is you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. The steakhouse and not the buffet. Meaning if you're, if we're going out to eat, we're looking for a good steak. Like we have a choice. We could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer and they're all mediocre, or you could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really well. So if you want tacos, if you want lasagna, if you want cupcakes, you don't go to the steakhouse, right? They do one thing. And again, it's just counterintuitive because for speakers, and again, entrepreneurs in general, we feel the need to be generalist. We feel the need to like, again, spread the net as far and wide as possible. I can speak about anything. I can help with anybody and all, all different topics. And like that's, that's just not what people are looking for. So really what you want to do is you want to be more narrow, more focused, more clear, and solve one specific problem for one specific audience. The more clear you are, the easier it is to actually find a book gigs. So that's the, the foundational piece. You get that part right. Everything else that we're going to cover and talk about becomes so much simpler. So next part of the process. Process, P is to prepare your talk. And this can look a lot of different ways. Like you're kind of alluding to, Julia, you could do, you know, keynotes and workshops and breakouts and seminars online, virtual. There, there's a lot of different options there. But being clear about what's the solution that you're actually providing to the problem that that audience or decision maker has. Next part of the process, E, is to establish yourself as the expert. So two key marketing assets you need. Number one is you need a website. In this day and age, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. People won't take you seriously. And number two is you need a demo video. Now, what is a demo video? So think of it kind of like a movie trailer. Before you'd go see a movie, you want to see the trailer, right? You don't need to see even 10 minutes. You need to see like one minute, two minutes at the most. And so what a movie trailer is, is the same thing as a demo video. You take like a, a two-hour movie, you boil it down to two or three minutes. Within those two or three minutes, you have an idea of who's in it, what's the plot, what's the theme, what's the genre. And the point of a demo video and the point of a movie trailer is to make you want to see more. So an event planner, a decision maker, before or they're willing to hire you often, and especially if they're willing to pay you, they want to see something like I'm taking a big risk putting you up on stage. And so I don't need to see like a full hour talk, but I'd like to see a, a minute or two, just to kind of get a sense of like, maybe you're a great speaker. You're just not what we're looking for, for our audience. So 
And that demo video is really important as well. Next part of the process, A, is acquire paid speaking gigs, uh, which this is the part that oftentimes we want to fast forward to. Like, all right, all that other stuff is cute. Like, just tell me how to book gigs. But if you don't have these foundational pieces in place first, you're going like, well, who do you speak to? I don't know. I'll speak to anybody. All right. What do you speak about? I don't know. I'll talk about anything. Do you have a website or demo video? Nah, I don't need that stuff. I just want to speak. It's like, all right, good luck. Like, so you have to have these foundational pieces in place first before you get to the process of booking gigs. And when we talk about booking gigs, the, the big thing that we always try to remind speakers of is you need to be much more proactive than reactive. Meaning a, a mistake a lot of speakers make is going like, all right, I got my website, I got my video. And now I just sit back and I wait for the phone to ring. And Julie, you and I know like that doesn't work. Like you have to be a lot more proactive, finding decision makers, reaching out to them, prospecting, having conversations, following up, having systems in place. Those simple, basic things really do move the needle. And then the last part of the process, K, is know when to scale, meaning a lot of people who are interested in speaking are also interested in writing a book or coaching or consulting or training or doing any number of things. And you can do all the things, but you just can't do all the things at once. Something's going to come first. Something's going to come last. So you got to be really, really clear about how speaking fits into the mix. Tom, um, I know we covered a lot there, uh, but uh, I'll turn it back over to you and wherever we want to want to jump in. It's great, great. You're such a great speaker. You should maybe look into doing some of that. I'm, I'm uh, going to give it a shot one of these days. <laughs> My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. 
This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business business for sponsoring the show. Um, and he broke it down, which I love because my, my people love a breakdown. So I'm going to just ask you questions that I think that my listeners right now are asking themselves as they're listening to this. So the first one is, okay, what if I could solve a lot of different problems? Like, yeah. you're saying, right. I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. How do I pick which one or two? And then does it have to be different for every talk I do? Yeah, good question. So uh, again, the the danger is kind of like the scope creep of like, yeah, 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 but I could also do this, and I could also do this, and I could also do this, right? And so I'll give you an analogy. Let's let's imagine that God forbid you had a brain issue, right? And you needed to have brain surgery. Like you have a choice. You could go to your local family medical doctor. They are a doctor. They went to med school. They know more about the brain than you or I do. They probably performed some surgeries before, but they've never done brain surgery. Or you could go to a brain surgeon. Like that's all they do. Like day in and day out. Like if you have a broken arm, you don't go to them. If you got a bad cough, you don't go to them. If you got the Rona, you don't go to them. But you got a brain issue, like that's who you go to. I do one thing and I'm really, really good at that. And again, it's just, it's counterintuitive, but and we see it and understand it in other verticals and in other ways. But uh, whenever it comes to being a speaker or a an entrepreneur of some type, we just feel the need to like, oh, I can do all these things, right? So start really, really, really narrow. And over time, if you want to expand that, that's fine. So look at some other examples. If you look at a company like, like Nike, Nike today is a multi, multi, multi billion dollar company that will sell you anything that they can put a swoosh on. But they got their start by creating one specific type of running shoe for one specific type of athlete. They created a running shoe for long distance Allegiant runners. That's it. And they did that for a long time before eventually they started to expand like, okay, let's make a, a basketball shoe or a walking shoe, or let's make t-shirts, let's make hats, let's make basketballs. And it kind of expanded. You look at a company like Amazon and Amazon sells anything and everything, but they started by just selling books. And that was it. All they did for years was just books. You look at uh, personalities as well. You look at someone like a, a Gary Vaynerchuk, and Gary speaks on a variety of different things today, but he got to start for years talking about wine. That was it, right? Not alcohol, not beverages, not food and beverages, wine. That was it. And so again, we see this in different verticals where if you focus on one thing for an extended period of time, then over time, you can kind of expand that and broaden that. But to start with, start small, start focused. Now, of the different options on the buffet that you could potentially choose from for yourself, where do you begin? So I always like to start with like, what's low hanging fruit for you? Like what is a uh, a space or a world that you understand that you get that makes sense to you. So let me give an example. I, I was recently talking with a, a client and he uh, came out of the real estate world and was wanting to speak in a totally different market, something completely unrelated. And I said, okay, hang on for a second. Like, talk to me about your real estate experience. And he said he had been a realtor for decades, had um, been president of like, a, uh, I think the Colorado Association of Realtors and just like knew that world. And I said, hang on, why, like, why are we trying to go somewhere else? where like, you don't know anything. And I get like, you know, he'd kind of been in real estate for a while. I was a little tired of it, wanting to try something different. It's like, we can get there, but like, let's start with some low hanging fruit for you as a realtor. Like you understand how realtors think, you understand how their, their challenges, their obstacles, their pain points, you understand uh, how decisions are made, what speakers are brought in for, what they're hired for, what do they talk about? 
Like you just get all of that. So let's start there. And then over time, if you want to pivot and kind of go a different direction, that's totally fine. But start with like, what is low hanging fruit for the world that you're in, for experiences, for your network, for your contacts, for industry that you've been in? Like, let's start with that. And then again, over time, if you want to pivot, that's fine. So I think the other thing that that speakers make a mistake with is it's easy to kind of over-index on like feeling like you're making a permanent decision of going like, okay, if I speak on this topic to this audience, that's the only thing I can ever do forever and ever and ever. It's like, no, no, no. Like you're, you're making an educated guess. And so uh, w- one thing we remind speakers of is, is you want to um, like start with what you've got, do it with excellence and improve as you go. It is much easier to steer a car in motion than it is to steer a car in park. Meaning like you can sit down and you can just analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze of like, what about this topic? What about that topic? What about this topic with that audience? And just go on and on. It's like, but some of it is like, you don't know until you try. So like, let's pick something, let's get the car moving. And then if you're like, I didn't work, that was a complete swing and a miss, then you can kind of pivot and course correct. But eventually like find something that you're like, I'm just, I'm doubling down on this. I'm focused on that. Do that for an extended period of time. And you'll really start to, to gain some significant momentum. Mm, so good. Agree with all of that. Um, so thank you for breaking that down so so beautifully as well. And I think that that gives people a really clear sense of direction. The other thing that I know overwhelms people is this idea of like, okay, so if I start doing this, do I have to create a new talk from scratch every single time? Like if you know I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go talk to photographers about, let's say my thing is pitching. I'm going to go mm-hmm. talk to photographers about pitching, but then a month later, I'm going to go talk to realtors about pitching. And then a month later, I'm going to go talk to this audience about pitching. So do I have to create this new talk every single time? What is your take on that? Absolutely not. You do not need to be doing that. Do not re- reinvent the wheel every single time. So again, it's just a, it's a massive amount of work to do that one. And two, you got to remember that whenever you are presenting a talk that the, the decision maker, the audience, like wants your best foot forward, right? And so whenever you are working on a talk for the first time, again, you're kind of making an educated guess. I think this is funny. I think this will make sense. I think this will resonate. I think people might cry, but I don't really know until you get up in front of an, uh, uh, in front of an audience. And one of the fun things about speaking that's different than any other medium is you get real-time feedback. So for example, right now, Julie, we're going to have billions of people that are listening to this episode, I think is what you told me, billions and billions of people who are listening to this. And yet we will never see a single one of them actually listening to this episode. We have no idea. Like you and I both have books. When someone reads our book, we're not like watching them. Like, oh, are they did they underline? Is that making sense to them? Like, you don't know. But when you're speaking, you get that real-time feedback of people who are nodding, who are smiling, who are laughing, who are taking notes, who are falling asleep. Like, And so it helps to inform you of what's working and what's not. So when you deliver a talk and you get that real-time feedback, it helps you know like, okay, this worked, that didn't work. Oh, that worked really well. I wasn't anticipating on saying that. People had a lot of questions about this. I need to make sure I lean into that a little bit more. And so each time you talk, the talk gets better. And so a a good example of this is like a comedian. Like sometimes people assume that comedians just hop up on stage, they tell some jokes, they're funny, and it all just works out. But when you're watching like a Netflix special, for example, of a polished uh, one-hour set from a comedian, like that has been that has gone through the refinery. Like 
hours and hours and hours in front of audience after audience after audience, telling the same jokes, getting that feedback and making it better. Think about it like for a chef, for example, a chef's going like, I have this idea conceptually for a new dish and I'm going to make my best guess. And then I'm going to taste it as I go. Okay. I need to cook it a little bit more. It has too much salt. I need to add a little bit of this. I need to take away a little bit of that. And you don't know until you're actually making it. And so if every single time you're making something from scratch, like it's hard to get any momentum going. It's hard to figure out what actually works. And it's just a lot of work. So whenever you whenever you do give a presentation, like take that real-time feedback, modify the presentation, modify the talk, and make it better next time. And so whenever it comes to, okay, one time I'm speaking to photographers, one time I'm speaking to realtors, there may be like analogies, stories, examples, case studies, language that you use that might be different. But 80, 90% of the talk should be the same, like from one talk to the next. So the best speakers on the planet, it's not like they've got 20 different talks that they do. They got like one or two and may swap out some stories and swap out some examples and use the title of this conference instead of that conference. And that's about it. And again, that's what people want because that's your best material. That's your best content because it's been tested, because it's been refined over time. Yeah, I love that. It actually like gave me anxiety even as, because my take is like, I don't do that. Like the thought of people recreating from scratch gives me anxiety. So much work. Um, But, and I love what you said about, because it's, it's something I actually got from my husband, who's an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's this question that he'll ask himself when he finishes a scene, where was I on and where was I off? Mm. So every time I get off a stage, I think about that. Where was I on and where was I off? I'm not going to know the answer to that question unless I'm actually on the stage doing it. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times we'll sit here with our speeches, with our talks, and we're sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, where am I on and where am I off? Well, you're not even on yet. So like, go get on, mm-hmm. test it out, see what happens, then take the feedback and then you can go and refine it. So I you love can also that. like to, to piggyback on that, like you can also, I think sometimes people assume that in, in order to really try or test new material or any type of material is I got to be on stage. I got to be in front of a big audience. And you don't like on a podcast interview, if you're doing a Facebook live or, or a YouTube video, like you can see like what engagement is like, you can see where people are paying attention, where they're not paying attention. They're like, I told that story and that just felt clunky. Let me listen to that back. And like, you can try things out and just see how it works and see how it resonates. So a lot of like, what we've covered and talked about before uh, today is like stuff that I've talked a lot about, you know, so using buffets and steakhouse, I've talked a lot about that before talking about brain surgery. I've talked a lot about that before. And so it's, it's examples and, and analogies that I've used and like, okay, I told that, like, that just felt clunky. That didn't make sense. Or I told that, and that seemed to really click and resonate. And so like, again, you get that feedback that you can, you can utilize and, and perfect and dial in your presentation or your talk or your story over time. So something else I want to chat about when it comes to talks, and and at least this is just from my own experience. For me, it's not just about the talk. It's about the entire experience that you're creating. So from what you're wearing to how you move on stage, um, or even if you're sitting at a panel, to to your body language, your positioning, um, I would love for you to kind of break down from your own expertise and experience, what are some of those key components that we should be looking out for or keeping in mind when it comes to the presentation side? of how we speak. Yeah. And let me uh, piggyback on one other kind of part of that is that whenever you are speaking, you're you're doing one part of what you're hired to do. Meaning if you're a great speaker and if you're awesome on stage, but you're a pain in the butt to work with, people don't want to work with you. And by pain in the butt, I don't mean like you're a diva and you need a jar of red Skittles or whatever it may be, but I just mean like, 
Well, you, you you do what you say you're going to do. If they send you an email asking you a question, you get back with them quickly. When you when you say you're going to do something, you follow through on that. When you say you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, you do that. Whenever you get to the hotel or you land on site, that you are texting the client, letting them know, like you're just making their life really really simple. And again, this isn't exclusive to just speakers. This is true with, with a lot of things. Like if you were ha- hiring a a plumber to come to your house, maybe it's like the world's greatest plumber, but they show up late or they don't show up at all, or like you got to follow up with them. And they're just a pain in the butt to work with. Again, they're not mean or jerk or anything, but it's just like, golly, it's just working with them is exhausting. They don't want to work with you anymore. And so for a speaker, you got to remember that for an event planner, you are one of hundreds or thousands of moving pieces that they are trying to deal with. And so the easier you can make their life, the more likely they're going to want to be to work with you, to refer you, to bring you back in the future. So I always remind speakers, like, be great on stage, but be equally great off stage because that is what event planners and decision makers really appreciate. So that's a little caveat. All right. Uh, as far as like presentation, a couple thoughts here. One is that uh, I think one thing that any any one of us can be doing is really take the time to practice and prepare. I think a mistake that a, a lot of speakers make is, is going, um, I'm just going to scribble some notes on a napkin. I'm going to hop up there. I'm going to wing it. I talk best just shooting from the hip and it all just comes together. Like, don't do that at all. Do not. Julie's shaking her head. Don't make that mistake. And so the best speakers really spend a ton of time like practicing, preparing, like what I, and this is what I personally do is I, I actually will manuscript out a talk. Okay. And the point isn't to memorize it verbatim. It's not to memorize it word for word. You got to remember that, you know, if, if for imagine, um, imagine you were singing the, the national anthem at some type of event. And if you forget the words, like everybody knows, cause they know what the words are supposed to be. But if you're giving a presentation and like you tell things out of order, or I forgot the punchline, or I told a story wrong, or I rearranged the points, nobody knows. Nobody has any idea, right? But so the point of a script is not to know something verbatim and word for word, but to have a really clear idea of this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. So think about it this way. If you, Julie, if you were to ask me like, all right, great, tell me about whenever you proposed to your wife. Well, I I can tell you that story. I was there. But if you said, take an hour, really think about it, come back, tell us that story, it's probably going to be a better story because I can really think through the details of it, the nuance of it. What was the day like? What led up to it? What did we say to each other? Who did we call first? You know, yada, yada, yada. And it just like it makes the story better because there's thought and energy and intentionality that's been put into it. So really spend the time like practicing, rehearsing, going over your talk. And again, not so it's formulaic, not so it's robotic, but so by the time you get up on stage that you feel more comfortable, you feel more confident, you feel more natural because a lot of speakers, they they worry about nerves. I get nervous, I get anxious, I get worried, I get butterflies, yada, yada, yada. All that stuff is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think for myself, Julie, maybe for you too, like I still feel those butterflies before I speak. And it's not a bad thing. I think if anything, it's kind of your body's way of reminding you like, hey, heads up, like this is a big deal. This is important. Pay attention, lock in, right? And like other moments in life, like when I proposed to my wife or when my daughters were born, like I had those same feelings, those emotions, those butterflies. And it's not like, oh my gosh, she's going to say no, but it's just like, whoa, hey, this like this is a big deal. Like there's just an excitement and adrenaline. And so when your body feels that, it's again, it's not this nervousness that you're going to die on stage or something, but it's just, again, like this adrenaline, this excitement. And so the way that you like minimize that or control that is you really spend the time to practice, to go over it. So by the time you get up on stage, yeah, there's the butterflies, there's the excitement, there's the adrenaline, but there's also a level of confidence. It's like, no, I've done the work. Like I've studied, I'm ready for this. And that's a really, really great place to be as a speaker. Yeah, it's so, so good. And you you just touched on something a little bit about um, preparation and you know diving into that. So 
We don't need to have it memorized, but mm-hmm. most of the time you do want to be quote unquote off book. So mm-hmm. what are some things that someone can use to support them in remembering, oh, what's coming next? Or is there sense memory, slides, visuals? What, what can people kind of use to really help them follow the flow of what their talk is? Yeah, I think for a lot of speakers, it can be super nerve-wracking, the idea of giving a 30, 45, 60-minute talk and not having any notes and not having any, like you're jumping out of the para, out of the plane and without a parachute. And you're like, I hope this works. I hope I land somehow. So a few thoughts here. One is that, yeah, it definitely takes a little bit of time to kind of get used to the idea of, of giving a presentation and you're, you don't have any notes. That also goes back to one of the things we were talking about earlier. If you're giving the same talk every single time, you're going to start to really develop some muscle memory there of what comes next and kind of the, the general flow of things. Versus, again, if every time you talk, you're starting from scratch, it's going to become a lot more difficult. Uh, and so so that's going to help. That's going to be one thing that's definitely going to help you. Another thing I would remind speakers of is, is remember, like, you are a human talking to a collection of other humans. So act like a human, like don't act like a robot. So there's been plenty of times where I'm talking and I was like, I just lost my train of thought. I had a brain fart. I don't remember where I was going or what we were talking about. There's been times like I did this recently and I just asked a lady in the front row. I was like, what, what was I even talking about? You know, and like everybody laughs and it breaks the tension and like, oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Anyway, back on track. And you just regroup because again, the, the audience, um, there takes their cues from you. When you're standing on stage, if you're uptight, if you're uncomfortable, if it's awkward, if it's clunky, like people feel that uneasiness and nobody wants to feel that, right? And so you kind of as the as the 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 speaker, you're setting the the thermostat for the the temperature of the room. As a um uh, an audience member, uh, I, like we want to see a speaker do well. I think sometimes there's this misconception that speakers assume like, ah, oh, the audience wants me to fail. They want me to see me fall. They want to see me suck. Like, no, we don't. Like, I don't want to sit through a crappy speaker. Like you don't either. Like, so we want you to be good. Uh, and so one of the best ways, again, you can do that is really spend the time to, to practice and, and prepare. Now you touched on slides. So let's talk about that. Um, I'm, I, I got mixed feelings on slides. So if you're going to use slides, slides should be an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. An enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. Now, what do we mean by that? So here's kind of a litmus test. If five minutes before you're about to speak, the projector breaks, the computer crashes, something goes wrong, and you can't use slides, is your talk good enough to stand on its own? And if you would say like, ah, oh, I can't speak without my notes or I can't speak without my slides or it's not going to make any sense, your talk's not ready, right? So the talk should be able to stand on its own. And if you got slides and add some pictures there, add some bullet points, that's fine. It just enhances it. It makes it that much better. The mistake speakers make is they use it as cue cards. And uh, I don't know what comes next. And I got to go to my next slide. And now I'm going to read to you, the audience, which you can already read yourself. And like that, don't do that. Uh, so one other thought would be, when you're working on a talk, developing a talk, is you may have like pages and pages and pages of notes. Um, but what you may want to do then is sometimes what I'll do is I'll take an index card and I'll boil it down to just a few keywords. So um, if you said, uh, if I had a, a note on, uh, on a note card that said first car, that means squat to all of you, but I could tell a 10 minute story based on that, right? So I just know, okay, I know what comes next, da, 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 da. And I know after that, then it's going to cue into this. And then after that, what comes next? Okay, now I just need like one word. And maybe it's a story or maybe it's like a key phrase that like, okay, I really wanna make sure I nail the wording of that phrase. And so rather than going like through the through your pages and pages and pages of notes, like, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to remember? Like have spent the time to go through that. But then when you're like, you're backstage, I may just have that index card in my pocket with, 
10, 15, 20 keywords. And I'm just trying to memorize kind of the order of the sequence of those things. Um, and again, if you, if the more you're speaking, the more comfortable you get with what that sequencing may be. Yeah, that was so good. I, I love that little litmus test that you, that you shared. And I think that that's, um, that was beautiful. It's brilliant. Um, and so true. And I think too, that the more you do things, depending on, you know, where you're speaking and how big maybe the production is. I mean, some places have speaker support. They have comfort monitors at the front. They're going to have yep. a countdown temp. They're going to have all these things that also help guide you. So I think that too, if, you, if you've never really done it yet, but you want to do it, I think a lot of times we can kind of overwhelm ourselves by thinking like, I'm going to be on this big, dark, cold stage by myself with like no help. And now I have to memorize 60 minutes worth of words. It's like, no, like you'll find the flow in it, the more that you embody it. And I think that that's really um, what you're touching on and, and going back to what you said about the talk should be able to stand on its own, which I think yeah. is key. Um, I want to dive into the ways in which people can work with you. So, you know, you, you are an expert at this. This is what you do all day. You teach people how to become really great speakers and get paid to do it. Um, and I know there's a couple of ways that people can really start to learn your methods, your modalities. You have a book, which I want to talk about, and then you have the speaker lab. So let's start with kicking off with the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the book is called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. So that speak framework that we talked about earlier, it just takes that, you know, the three or four minute version that I, I shared and goes much deeper into that. So yeah, that's definitely a great resource to check out, walks through step-by-step step what you need to be doing. So um, we've got different coaching and training programs um, that are a mix of, of group and one-on-one -on -one coaching, some done-for-you components. We'll build your website, we'll build your demo video, we'll find speaking leads for you. Um, so those are all available, but you can also like, we've got the the Speaker Lab podcast, Julie, you mentioned that you've, you've been a guest on that. Uh, so we've got over 400 episodes there that people can check out. So you don't have to give us a dime. Like you, but we are what we teach within the, the, the book. I think we even have like a, a free plus shipping uh, book offer right now. You can listen to the podcast. We had a guy, I'll give you a quick example. There's a guy who um, he reached out maybe a year ago or so. And he said, Hey, I was really interested in speaking. I Googled something about speaking. I came across your podcast. I listened to every episode. I did what you told me to do. And just recently I quit my job and now I'm a full-time speaker. I make six figures. I was like, great. Like he didn't give us a dime, but just do what we tell you to do. Everything we've talked about here, you can implement, you can apply. Um, but if you want some additional handholding or help, then uh, we're, we're, we're happy to help. Yes. And I highly recommend that because as Grant, you may not know this, but my listeners know that I am constantly hammering in their head that why try to figure it out yourself when it's going to be clunky and take so much time and energy, just hire the right people, hire people who have done what you have, what you were trying to do successfully, yeah. learn the ropes and makes it that much easier. So we're going to make sure to put all of that in the show notes and link back to that. Um, so you can really dive in and I highly recommend your podcast. And then of course the book, if someone wants to dip their toes in it, but if they're ready to go all in, um, you have a one-stop shop. So that really is a no brainer to me. Um, so I want to leave us today with asking you a question that, um, is really fun. And that is what does influence mean to you? What does influence mean to me? So, um, I'll give you a couple answers. One would be, um, I really believe in this idea that who you are is more important than what you do. Meaning like if we are great podcasters, if we're great speakers, if we're great entrepreneurs, yada, 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 
but we drop the ball as um, moms, as dads, as wives, as husbands, as humans. If we are just a shell of a person, we are doing it wrong. Uh, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married coming up on 21 years, been together 26 years. we got three daughters. It's me and a house full of women. It's the best. I absolutely love it. And as much as I love being an entrepreneur, as much as I love being a podcaster and speaker and yada, 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 like my most important roles are being a good, a good husband, being a good dad. Like I got one shot. Uh, like my wife, um, she made a decision to be married to me. She's stuck with that decision now, but my girls did not get a choice. They, they came out and like, that's you. Okay. So like we're in this together. And so I, it's really, really important to me. And when we talk about influence to be great, um, with the, the people that really matter most to me. And this is something that I think is like entrepreneurs. It's easy for all of us to talk about, like build the business, build the business. And like, again, you and I both love what it is that we do. We love the people that we serve and support and help and, uh, and speakers and entrepreneurs and that sort of thing. But, uh, we just don't want to do those things at the detriment of the people that matter most. So I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact and influence outside of my home. But uh, ultimately, the people that matter most to me are the people that are going to be inside this home. So influence is super important for me internally, but also externally. Like I, uh, the, the speakers that we oftentimes work with are, like I mentioned, like where I was when I got started. When I got started speaking, I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I was just like, I think I can do this. I just need someone to tell me what to do. Like, just show me what to do. And so now whenever we talk with speakers who like implement and apply what we do and what we teach and train... Uh, and they book that first gig and they get paid a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars. And it's just like this light bulb, like this initial domino that tips over to them, this burst of confidence of going, whoa, I can do this. Like, yes, we've been telling you that you can totally do this. And so being able to influence uh, speakers who are also going to go out and speak to audiences and make an impact and make a difference. Like I was talking with our team about this the other day, that uh, every single one of us watching or listening to this we could all think back in life about some speaker that we heard that impacted our life in some way. And maybe that was a professor, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was a, a workshop presenter. Um, there's a guy that uh, I was at a conference, this was like 15, 16 years ago. I don't even remember his name, but he said a line that so changed the trajectory of my life. And like, it was that, that was like, I'm, I want to go in on speaking. I'm going to do this thing. I remember like stepping out of that session, calling my wife, I remember where I was. And like that one line had such a profound impact in my life. And so now if we're able to help other speakers who are then able to make that type of impact in someone else's life and audience members' lives, like it's incredibly, incredibly fulfilling and rewarding. So, um, yeah, influence means a lot of things for sure, but uh, that's kind of what it looks like for me. I love it. So you're you're good at what you do, and you care. That's uh, yeah. There's um astonishing, right? You <laughs> just gotta things. you gotta give a crap about what you're doing, you know. And like this, like yeah, I want to. I would prefer, if I'm gonna work, I'd rather make more money than less money. But I also want to feel good about what I'm doing. I know that I'm making an impact. I know that I'm doing it in a genuine way. I know that I'm doing it with integrity. And, you know, we both know like this industry is filled with a lot of like smoke and mirrors and here today, gone tomorrow type stuff. And it's like, no, no, like what we do matters. And like people's lives are at stake here. And like, this is important stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Grant, for being with us, for sharing your amazing, incredible, in-depth wisdom at this. Um, please, everyone, if you have ever just been curious about the thought of how to do this, make it easy on yourself. Go buy his book, check out his programs. Like he has a method and a model that works. And most importantly, he cares. So 
you cannot lose when you have those two components in place. So with that, Grant, thank you so much for being with us and I will catch you very soon. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the Influencer Podcast. If you're wanting to dive deeper into the topics and discussions that we have here, I would encourage you to head over to juliesolomon.net and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It is in our amazing newsletter community that we are able to really support you on a much larger scale. And I love to do a ton of amazing things that I send inside your inbox every single week. So just head over to juliesolomon.net. You'll see a little spot there that you can add your information in and you will get on the list and start receiving all all of that good stuff.